In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me. As we put ourselves in the presence of our Lord, we are going to contemplate our Lord, obviously, through the gospel, but more precisely, through a geographic area revealed by the whole Bible, but specifically by the gospel itself. We're going to contemplate the area at that time of the Roman Empire called Palestine, where the Lord was born, where he grew up, where he worked, where he worked his miracles, gave his sermons, and redeemed us on the cross, overcoming death and sin, Mm -hmm. and rose from the dead and lastly ascended into heaven. To be honest, I have always dreamt and aspired to the possibility of making a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. When that became possible, to my great surprise, given my own workload and time constraints and schedule and the shortage of priests to take on the pastoral work required in my particular situation and circumstances. I felt it was a dream come true, but with a bit of trepidation that with all that build up over the years of visiting the Holy Land, perhaps I would be disappointed. We all have the experience of idealizing something or someone or some event excessively to find it falling short of our expectations. This experience, almost as an exception, exceeded my expectations. I would say it was a very profound spiritual experience without anything extraordinary. But I feel that meandering about the places that Jesus lived is an extraordinary privilege. And obviously it is the will of the Holy Spirit 
that we encounter Christ in a special way in the Holy Land, following a 2,000-plus tradition of Christianity and its jumping off the landmarks. This has been a sought-after custom from the very beginning to this very day. What's astounding, and I would say even miraculous, that the enthusiasm that marks all these visiting sites reflects perhaps the enthusiasm of the 3rd century, 5th century, 8th century, 12th century, 15th century. That virtually has not changed. Perhaps the dress wear, but that's about it. The modern conveniences. But the common baseline is the veneration and enthusiasm with which people come to these holy places. Saying Mass at these different sites was also a very overwhelming and moving experience for myself. It was surrealistic to be saying Mass in front of Lake Genezaret, saying Mass at the site where Jesus wept, saying Mass at the site where Jesus cooked some breakfast for the apostles and invited Peter to make his famous act of contrition, Lord, you know that I love you, Lord, you know that I love you, Lord, you know all things, you know that I love you. To be present at that lake that claims to fame the miraculous catch, two miraculous catches that are recorded, being able to pray at the site where Jesus multiplied loaves and fish. I would say that the Holy Land, what is now Israel, more precisely the area around Nazareth and Capernaum and the province of Galilee, is a geographic relic. It's a super relic. Judea, another super relic. We're invited as disciples of Jesus to connect with God through the humanity of Jesus. That's why we have the Gospels. We are, Though those events took place 2,000 years ago, Jesus is God, and so there's an eternal dimension to that. In a practical sense, everything Jesus said and did is for me personally. We all discover that. He speaks to us constantly. The gospel is eternal. So these are not just sites that happened in a historical period of time as much as the eternal word made flesh lived there 
worked there, socialized there, worked miracles there, died there, redeemed us there. We contemplate his life by contemplating his humanity and seeing, all right, this is where he lived. This is the landscape he saw. This is the kind of foliage that characterized his town of origin. This is where he was born. These are the hills the Blessed Mother had to traverse to visit her cousin Elizabeth. And though we can't appreciate it completely, because I spent a few days in the area of Nazareth and Galilee, and about, I'd say, maybe 80 miles away, 90 miles away, we reach Judea. And But there was no cars in those days. And they tell me, too, that you know, to save on sandals, if you were not rich, you took very good care of those sandals, they would go barefoot. And it's not a smooth paved road that Jesus traversed. It's rocky ground, paths, jagged little rocks that he walked on. And going from Galilee to Judea would take probably a week's walk. And and seeing those harsh conditions of 2,000 years ago, This is where God lived. This is where God made man lived. And I would say it's overwhelming. It's different, just by way of analogy, to walk along the Freedom Trail in the Boston area or seeing sites where George Washington stayed and in the state of New Jersey. Well, an ordinary mortal, famous, albeit, but an ordinary mortal stopped there or lived there or slept there or fought a battle there. But Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus, King of the Jews, is no mortal. He is God-made man. And that makes the Holy Land very special. It's the only place on earth that also has an eternal dimension to it. It's not the same to be familiar with these towns and cities, whether it's Nazareth, Capernaum, Magdala, Cana, Jerusalem, Bethany, Bethesda, or Bethsaida. There's a big difference between reading about it and actually being there, seeing it. What were the tombs like in those days? What, where did Jesus enter Jerusalem? What did the prison look like? 
when he was arrested after Gethsemane. What exactly does Gethsemane look like? It's teeming with olive trees. And then you see the remnants of major historic events. You see the Byzantine culture there. They built the first major churches, even though there were shrines there even previous to the Byzantine churches. You see crusader churches. And you see the different Christian denominations, whether Ethiopian, Greek Orthodox, Armenian Orthodox, Catholic, who have certain rights to churches there, especially the most important one, the Church of the Sepulchre. Um, Each ancient denomination has a little segment of that area. It's interesting to contemplate Jerusalem when Jesus actually wept over it, to go into the synagogue areas or the ruins of those ancient synagogues, knowing that Jesus preached there, seeing where the Annunciation took place and seeing those primitive living conditions of that time give you a whole different view of the humanity of Jesus, even where he had to exercise his profession Apparently it wasn't in Nazareth per se. There were only probably 40 families there, so he had to go to a major village. I think it was called Sephora with Joseph. Visit Joseph's house. It was a little bigger than Mary's house, but it was nearby. And to see the beautiful church built over the house of Joseph and the house of the Blessed Mother. The culminating point, well, they're all very moving experiences, and my only uh, criticism, if if you call it that, is that I would need to stay a couple of days at those sites. We tried to see as many as possible, and I'm very grateful for that, but each site would merit, you know, a few days retreat. But the culminating visit was where Jesus died, where he was buried, that the redemption of the world took place there in a given place, uh, the given set of circumstances, walking along the way of the cross. I wish it were more silent, Probably it reflected the hustle and bustle of those times because it's kind of noisy and people selling their wares and probably it was that way when Jesus was led to Calvary. And more on a personal note, uh, one of my heroes, Blessed Alvaro del Portillo, who was the head of Opus Dei, the first successor of St. Jose Maria, who was also, in a certain sense, a living relic when I lived in Rome, whom I knew personally. 
I know that he spent his literally his last week here on earth praying to our Lord in a very intense way in the Holy Land to commemorate uh, the 50th anniversary of his, of his priesthood. And that was very special. His last week on earth, his last mass was said in the area uh, where Jesus celebrated his last supper in the cenacle. We go to the Blessed Mother. Also, there is a powerful Marian tone to this pilgrimage. She traversed the common use pathways between Galilee and Judea to go to the temple to celebrate the Passover, to actually even give birth to Jesus in Bethlehem, which is near Jerusalem. We go to the Blessed Virgin Mary. We ask you, Mary, for the grace to more effectively, more profoundly contemplate your Son and intercede on our behalf so that we could contemplate your Son and yourself as well in the locale where you were born, where you lived, where you died, where you witnessed the love of God. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help in putting them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me.